Let's turn our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And uh, today we, you know, last week we dealt with chapter 3. Today we're going to kind of go back a little bit to chapter 2, verse 24. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24 through 26 is our text for today. And uh, we just want to kind of go back to that and just really just uh, uh, not skip over this passage. It's an important passage in our series on Ecclesiastes. So um, today the subject uh, of this message is how to enjoy life in spite of. How to enjoy life in spite of. Now, verse 24 says this, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment. For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and striving after the wind. Amen. Amen. Now, over the past several weeks, our series on Ecclesiastes has painted a fairly dark picture of Solomon's take on life. Throughout our study, we watch as Solomon moves from a general statement of some despair, and that is the statement you see repeated, all is vanity. To, he moves to a very specific statement about how he examined every part of life to verify his belief that seeking satisfaction in the things of this world is like striving after the wind. None of us can chase the wind. We don't know where it starts and we don't know where it ends. And just when you think you've made some progress, you find that another breeze will come a-blowing. Amen? So from riches to self-medication, from song to celebration, Solomon finds no real meaning to life in the things provided in the world. <clears throat> Every day, my brothers and sisters, someone embarks on this Solomon-like journey only to find great disappointment. Maybe you were that person. Maybe that person is sitting next to you. Maybe that person is in your row. But every day, somebody starts their day with the idea that I'm going to try to find meaning in the things of this world. I want my life to make sense. Now, the older I get, it seems that that becomes more of a priority. What is my legacy going to be? How will people remember me? What will people say when I'm gone? Now, when you think about this, we do this and yet all too often at the end of that process or somewhere 
in that process. What we find instead of meaning is we find great disappointment. Do I have a witness there? So how do we cope with this idea that we can find no real or lasting peace in the things of this world? Now, this would be easy except for the fact that you and I must live in the world. Now, it's easy to say there's no peace in the world, but wait a minute, I've got to live here. So you're telling me that there's no real lasting peace in the things of this world? We do not have the option, nor is our physical body prepared to move to eternity. Flesh and blood can't move to eternity. This flesh that we're in is going back to the dust from whence it came. As I told you on last week, all of this is dust. All this excitement about how good we look and all this thing and, and putting makeup on and fixing up our hair is all going to be dust, baby. Amen. Look at somebody and say, you too. As fine as you are. <laughs> You, you going back to the dust. And so, and so we're not ready. And in fact, in fact, most of us, our plan is, if we were to admit it, is to put eternity off for as long as we can do so. Amen. Nobody's in a rush to get to eternity. <laughs> Let me enjoy this a little while longer. You got wives that are waiting on some bigger anniversary presents. Amen. You got a husband still working on that man cave idea. <laughs> so we're not trying to hurry up and get to eternity. Nobody say, oh, Lord, take me now. Take me now. Uh-uh. <laughs> so I remember, I remember some of you watch. Remember Sanford and son, Fred Sanford? Always act like he wanted to go see Elizabeth, his wife. You know, it's the big one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Until the big one happens. <laughs> Then you're like, Lord, please don't let me stay a little while longer. So we, so we have to understand we are not prepared physically, our physical body, for eternity. There's no rush. And even in our minds, we're not thinking about eternity as, as much as believers know that we will live forever with God. We will live forever with him. We still got some things we want to do down here. Amen? So as creatures of time and space, is there any hope that we might find any joy in this life? The preacher teacher of Ecclesiastes to, to this point does not give us much hope. But then he takes a turn away from his seemingly gloom and doom approach and makes an interesting statement. Look at verse 24. He says, there is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. The preacher holds out the hand of hope to those of us in some despair regarding enjoyment in this life. If we were to be honest, many of us search and search for the means 
to enjoy this life in spite of all of the obstacles we encounter, including those self-inflicted wounds. Oh, come on here, somebody. How many of us got some self-inflicted wounds? Just, you know, just stuff I just, just dumb decisions I made, just things I, I never would have gave them my phone number if I had known better. Oh, I, come on here, somebody. Huh? I never would have took that job I, I, if I had known how they treated people. We have some self-inflicted wounds. Some of us in here today, because we were looking for love in all the wrong places. And finally we got to say, well, I might as well try Jesus. <laughs> I done tried just about everything else. And, and so we have these, these things. So, so how, can we, how can we find, find real enjoyment? We strive to enjoy life through means that are in our sensory perception, those things that are right before us. In spite of the fact that some of those efforts to find enjoyment through our sensory perception have proven to be futile over and over again. Look at somebody and just tell them, I'm hard-headed sometimes. I am. I'm, you know, my, my grandmother used to say, hard head make a soft behind. She's, she used to say that a lot. I, I understood that as I got older and I had children. <laughs> Amen. So, so sometimes we do things over and over again, even though they're futile. In other words, look at this. For example, here's some of the things we look for enjoyment, even though we haven't found it. We look for enjoyment in interpersonal relationships. Hmm? Yes, we do. We try to, we got to have friends, family, loved ones, and, and, and some of us can't, can't function unless we have a love interest in our lives. Oh, I'm coming by your house right now. Huh? <laughs> Unless we have somebody. You know, we, we even tell ourselves, we got a lot of love to give. We just need somebody to give it to. Amen. And so we, we have this idea. So here's another place we look for, 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 for enjoyment in our financial gain. We, we try to earn and earn and earn and find out if we're going to have enjoyment in finances. Now, I'll tell you, you know, financing can buy you a lot of nice stuff. I was in uh, Arizona this past week visiting my parents. And, and, you know, we pulled up and my dad has, has gone about his life and he bought him a new car. Well, I mean, he was driving a 94 Roadmaster. So, so it was probably time. <laughs> but here's the thing. Whatever new car you buy, it's always somebody with one nicer. Huh? We pull up in front of Cheesecake Factory. Now, my dad bought a, a, a 2015 Cadillac Escalade truck. Ooh, it's sharp. Nice truck. Juan got the nice tires with the chrome rims and, and all of that. And, and, of course, you know, when you're the son, whenever you're there, you have to do the driving. So I didn't mind this time. <laughs> so sunroof and all that. It's, it's 80 degrees in Arizona. And, and we pull up. And as soon as we get out the valet parking, here come a guy in a BMW i3 with the wing doors coming up. And... 
And I said, now look at here. I thought we were styling. <laughs> you know, and so, and so it's always, so financial gain can get you a lot of stuff, but it's no real meaning in that. The other thing we look at, we look at work. Some of us work and work, and we work our fingers to the bone, so to speak. We work and we look for enjoyment in our labor. Then some of us are have a more more party spirit. We look at celebration and we just go from one party to the next. Every day, what's happening? What's going down? Let's, you know, you're calling your friends. What's what's shaking tonight? You know, who who getting into some stuff? Look on Facebook, you'll see. And so, and so, you know, so all of this, the the party is going on. And then, unfortunately, you know, some of us have looked at chemically altered states and, and saw, you know, is there any enjoyment in wine and liquor and, and drinking and, 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 and smoking weed and all this kind of thing. And we look for enjoyment in trying to escape our reality. And then finally, we look for enjoyment by creating these other idols in our life. And these are the things that, that come between us and God, these idol gods that we make in our lives. And some Sometimes we even make an idol out of self. I looked at myself. I said to myself. And so we make idols out of things. And each of these represents efforts to find some degree of enjoyment. Yet they are often Futile. They're often in vain. But this still leaves us, my brothers and sisters, with the question as to whether there is any enjoyment in life. The preacher teacher gives hope that there is enjoyment, but it rests with how we approach life. What is our attitude about life many times I'm reminded myself of the saying that attitude determines altitude if you have a low attitude you'll have a low altitude in life but if you have a high attitude and a good attitude you can have a high altitude in life so if this is true it would seem that our mental approach to life has much to do with whether we find any enjoyment at all. Here's something that Thomas Jefferson said about attitude. He said this, nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. How many of us know some people that just have bad attitudes? <laughs> just no matter what, attitude just poor. And if you don't know anybody, you might be that person. I'm not trying to start nothing, I'm just saying. So, well, I got in trouble right there. <laughs> be talking about me, Pastor. <clears throat> so, when Jesus told Peter that he must suffer at the hands of the chief priests, and Peter said, not so, Jesus. Not going to have that. They're not going to get you. You, my Lord, you, my Savior. And what did Jesus do? In Matthew 16, 23, he turned to Peter and he said, Peter, 
get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. Now watch this. Here's what he said. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you what has to happen to secure your salvation and you worried about the physical realm. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 2, he says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Think about how much mental time you spend thinking about things that are on this earth. My bills, my family, my house, my car, my job, my neighborhood, my city, my nation. Just go down the list and we spend so much time thinking of those things now think about in comparison how much time you think you spend thinking about the things of the Lord the things that have not to do with this earth I had, a, I had one of those grandmothers and some of you may, may have had the same type of grandmother you know the ones that know God personally <laughs> you know at any given time you could come over to their house and it seemed like you know, your grandmother and God are having lunch <laughs> You know, I had one of those grandmothers and she would she would be in the kitchen and and as a little boy I was I would remember coming in there after school and I'd just hear her talking and singing and all this kind of thing and I'd be I go in the kitchen I'd be like grandma who are you talking to and after a while I start thinking oh lord something happened grandma done lost it she in there talking to herself and but I realized one day she told me she said son I'm talking to Jesus. So even while she was fixing my alphabet soup, she was having a conversation with the Lord. So she was thinking of the things not of this world. The old saints used to sing a song, soon I'll be done with the troubles of this world. Because they, they had their minds on eternity they had set their minds on the things not of this world so it is clear that our attitude has much to do with how we see life and ultimately whether we find joy so many of us miss joy because we have the wrong attitude and not only do we miss joy when we have the wrong attitude, you cause other people to miss joy. Nobody want to be around you and you glum all the time. You know, you sit down, I wonder why nobody called me because you glum. <laughs> nobody want to call you and hear all the bad news. <laughs> you know, you all know, you know, remember Governor's, Governor's, Governor's Travels. And little guy glum, the Lilliputian glum. I mean, everybody be like, we got to go cross the river. Glum be like, oh, no, we're not going to make it. It's going to fall apart. You know, it's a, you, and you have people, and it's funny, because you have people in the church like that, too. Uh-oh. <laughs> you have people in the house of God, you know, oh, no, this can't work out. Wait a minute. My father's rich in housing land. He holds the power of the world in his hand. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and the, how are you talking about you not going to make it? So, so we, 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 our attitude makes 
a difference. Nobody wants to be around somebody that's sour all the time. And then you wonder why you're not leading anybody to Christ. You wanna know what sinners say when they when they walk away from you? I don't know if that's Christ. I'm not trying to have that. <laughs> If, if you got to be that sad to be a Christian, I, I'll take my chances on the other side. I'm just, because I, I, you know, and we look so sad. As believers, we ought to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We ought to be leading the way when, when it comes to joy in life. People ought to see us and say, I want what you have. Instead, they look at us and say, I'm not trying to buy nothing you're selling. Because you seem depressed all the time. You seem discouraged all the time. And you go to work and you say, how was church yesterday? Oh, it was all right. What the preacher preach about? I don't know. <laughs> let me go on. The, let me see if it's still up on the, on the website. I can get reminded of what. <laughs> and people at your job are talking about, and this person go to church every Sunday. Maybe that's just nobody in here. I don't know. <laughs> so how does the preacher teacher tell us to respond to the fact that he discovered so much vanity and striving after the win in life. How do we find joy in spite of circumstance? Because some of us are looking at me right now and saying, Pastor, all that talk about joy really is good, but you don't understand my circumstances. I may not know your circumstances, but one thing I do know is that God is the God of circumstances. There's no circumstance too big for the Lord to handle. So how do I find joy? Here are three things I want to drop in your spirit today that the preacher says to us in this text that helps us find joy in life. First of all, understand this. Your labor is a gift from God. Look at somebody and say, your labor is a gift from God. Your labor is a gift from God. Look at what he says in verse 24. There is nothing better for a person that he should eat than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. Solomon clearly understands that all of our toil and even the ability to toil is a gift from God. Most of us, if we're honest, see work in a negative context. And this prevents us from finding any real joy in what we do. I'm coming by your house right now. See, see, we wake up. What's your Monday morning attitude? What are you going? I know you are full of joy and love today. But how are you going to be at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning? 6 o'clock when that alarm go off. What, what's going to be your attitude? See, see, we most of, is, is it joy that you feel when you wake up? Do you get up in the morning and say, I can't wait to get to work? Well, I'm glad we got some. We, see, we, Bethel Gary is a truth-telling congregation. We don't, we look at pastor, I'm not going to lie to you. I, that's not me. <laughs> I'm going to tell the truth today. That is not me. And so what is it? What is it? Well, our attitude.
attitude on Monday morning. We don't have this attitude of joy. In fact, we take such little joy in our labor that we even created an acronym to announce the weekend and the end of the work week. We call it TGIF. Huh? Come on here, somebody. What the, everybody know what that means, don't Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> and so, and so it's the end of it's a TGIF. We even thank God that it's Friday and that work is over. We find no joy. Some of us get so bad with this. Tomorrow morning, you'll be sitting there and counting your sick days you got left. I mean, I took off for Ray Ray and them wedding, and I took off for Sarah's bridal shop. How many sick days do I have? <laughs> and we good for this in the wintertime, too. You know, it's, a, it's cold outside. And here's, here's the thing. We find such little joy when we get to work. We have an attitude. As if the people on the job has already done something to us. We walk in there. I know, don't y'all expect me to do nothing today. Don't ask me to do anything. I know y'all don't want me to work today. Well, you want to get paid. Uh-huh. See, I knew it was going to get quiet right there. Just... <laughs> see, see so, so we, say, we say, thank God it's Friday. Work is over. But understand something, brothers and sisters. Work is God's gift it is his favor to us we ought to move from thank god it's friday to tgif thank god i'm favored see if you were really getting this you'd be excited right now you still on to thank god it's friday but if you understood favor you understood that favor means i have a job to go to favor means that on payday they give me some paper with my name on it that i can take to the bank favor means that my bills are paid i may not have everything but thank god i'm favored May not be working the job I want to, but I'm thanking God that I have one to work. So we'll, we'll find favor if we realize this is gift from God. Find joy in what you do because it is God's gift. There's a true saying, and you've heard it before. That there's always somebody that wish they can do what you're doing. See, you stop by the hospital. And I'm in the hospitals a lot. And I see people there. And I know that they're wondering, what do I have to do to get out of this sickness? I wish I could get up and go to work. And yet, we are complaining. Complaining about what we don't have. I, I've got to go to work today. You know, there are people that wish they could go. Sickness have grasped their body. They still want to go, and we complain. Here you are healthy. You have a, what my grandma used to say, a reasonable portion of health and strength. Everything may not be working like it used to, amen? But thank God these legs still moving. Thank God these hands are still moving. And when somebody tell you to clap your hands, test them out right now and see if they're still working, huh? Thank God. 
Thank God you find joy in what you do because it is God's gift. Now watch this. Second thing here that the preacher tells us, he says, there is no enjoyment without God. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there's no enjoyment without God. Look at verse 25. Here's what he says. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? God is feeding you. You think you went to Walmart and bought groceries. God is the one feeding you. Oh, I wish I had somebody that really understood that today. God is feeding you. And so here, here, look at this. The preacher knows enough about life to know that there can be no real enjoyment in life without God. He asked this question in a rhetorical sense because he already knew the answer. He said, who can have, who can eat or who can have enjoyment apart from God? And the answer he knew was that no one can. The preacher knows that no person can find true enjoyment in life without God. He is the giver of joy. And through Christ, he has provided the ultimate joy. Seems like some Christians ought to be excited right there. It is amazing how many of us find so little joy in Christ. I'm going to let that marinate for a minute. You wouldn't be as depressed as you are if you found joy in Christ. You wouldn't be worried about where your next meal coming from if you found joy in Christ. You wouldn't be worried about whether your NIPSCO bill going to get paid if you found joy in Christ. And so, how many Christians have such little joy? The preacher knows this. And, and, and we seem to approach our relationship with Christ with what I call a yeah, but attitude. Because some of you sit here right now saying, yeah, you're right, but. Yeah, you're right, but that my, my husband done left me. Yeah, you're right, but my wife doesn't understand. Yeah, you're right, but my kids are crazy. When I get to yours, just say something. Yeah, you're right, but you don't understand my manager at work. Yeah, you're right, but I can't find no peace anywhere else. Yeah, you're right, these kids get on my nerves. When I get to yours, I told you to say something, didn't I? We have a yeah, but attitude. Yes, I have Christ, but how does that work? You're telling me you have access to the greatest power in the universe. I'm not talking about just in the world. The world ain't big enough to hold God. God is bigger than the universe because he made it. And you have access to all his power. And you're talking about I got Christ, but. But you don't understand. But what? Well, here's a, here's a little hint for you. Perhaps we need to rid ourselves of our butts. <laughs> Boy, y'all, <laughs> it took a minute, but that guy. <laughs> we, need to, we need to get rid of these contra- contradictions in our lives. 
I, I, I have Christ, but I don't have any joy. I have Christ, but I don't have any friends. Well, one reason you don't have friends and you have Christ is because in the community of faith, we can't find you. You're not down here. Oh, come on here, somebody. You're not trying to have. If a person shows themselves to be friendly if they want friends. You know, you come in here like you're doing God a favor. Nobody wants to be bothered with you. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Come in here, sit all by yourself and all this kind of stuff. You know, they say, say amen. You're like, hey, man. No joy. Got to get rid of some of them butts in your life. The only way to find and experience joy in life is to rely on and cling to the truth that without God, there is no joy. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, without God, there is no joy. To find joy, we must begin with the source of joy, which is Christ. The psalmist writes in Psalm 92 and 4, he says this, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work at the works of your hands. I sing for joy. When I think about what God has done, I get joy all in my heart. This is why we feel that sense of wonderful and overwhelming joy when we pause from our lamenting about how hard life is and take time to think of what God has done. If you are a believer in here today, just take 10 seconds and think about what the Lord has done and see if joy bursts like a river breaking a dam in your heart. Come on, take 10 seconds and just think about God. Take 10 seconds and think about where you would be right now if it had not been for the Lord. Think about where, think about how many times you could have killed yourself, but God saved your life. You drank enough to die, but God saved you. Oh, I wish I had some people really glad. Some of us act like we always been saved. Huh? Some of us act like we didn't get through the 80s by the grace of God that we wasn't HIV positive. I wish I had somebody here. Huh? Some of us think we had enough friends that OD'd and by the grace of God, God said, I'm not going to let you die. You shall not die and live. You ought to just think about where he's brought you from and you ought to have some joy. See, that's why the enemy gets victory in your life. Because he makes you forget about your joy, the source of your joy. You concentrating on the mess that's around you instead of concentrating on the God that has brought you through. Oh, I wish I had somebody. Imagine if you were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of us would have been looking at the fire. We'd have been looking at, oh, it's hot in there. I ain't getting in that thing. Oh, king, I'll do anything you say. Just don't throw me in the fire, sir. I don't just, I don't want it. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, be it known unto you, king, that whether you kill us or not, we still won't bow down to your God. And they threw him in and they said, did not we cast in three? I see four walking around 
and the fourth one looks like the son of God. I wish I had somebody here. He'll be with you in the fire. He'll be with you in the fire. So watch this now. Jesus said this about, about joy. He said these things I've spoken to you in John 15. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. First thing you got to recognize is a difference between his joy and yours. You looking for all this joy in other things. He said the real joy is mine. And if you can't have the fullness of your joy until you get my joy inside you. I wish I had somebody. That's going to catch up with you when you get home. Just explain when you walk through the door, you might shout at any moment. Because that thing going to catch up with you and you're just going to get joy in your spirit. That your joy may be full. Your joy is not full without the presence of the Lord in your life. Nothing brings greater joy than being in Christ. So watch this now. The last thing. The last thing that this preacher teacher in Ecclesiastes wants us to know. He says finding enjoyment in life is pleasing God. Watch this here. Verse 26. He says, for to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. From an English teacher's perspective, that's too many ands. Because it should have been wisdom, comma, knowledge, comma, and joy. But the preacher teacher here wants you to understand something. He wants you to understand just how much God is in this thing because he says he's given them wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he is given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. Look at what God has given to those who please him. God gives wisdom. There's one thing that we need in life is wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs, in all you're getting, get an understanding. You need wisdom to navigate life. If you are a teenager, you need wisdom. If you're an adult, you need wisdom. If you're a husband, you need wisdom. If you're a wife, you need wisdom. If you are single, you need wisdom. Everybody needs wisdom. He says, I've given you wisdom. Then I've given you knowledge. I've given you knowledge so you understand some things. And I've given you joy. So many people lack wisdom in life. The knowledge of life and joy in living because they lack Christ. There is nothing that pleases God more than to see you receive Christ as your Savior. This opens the flood great floodgates of grace and joy. 
when you receive Christ as your Savior, you will know a grace that you've never known. When you receive Christ as your Savior, there will be something that we Christians refer to as unspeakable joy. That means we can't even tell you how great this joy is. We can't even tell you in words what it means to be at the end of your rope and find God telling you, tie a knot and hang on because I'm on my way. You can have joy in the midst of sorrow. Without a dime in your pocket, you can still have joy. Without any friends, you can still have joy. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm glad that I still have joy. Watch this now. He says, but for those, and if you're in here today and this refers to you, I, I want to just come by your street for a minute. He says, but for, for those who reject Christ and desire to please themselves and not God, here is what the preacher says to you. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting. Watch this now. Without God, before we were believers, God still gave you something. He made you a worker, a gatherer, and a collector. But look at what he says. You're gathering and collecting. You think for yourself. You think that without Christ, all the gathering and all the collecting you're doing is for you. But God said, uh-uh. It's not for you. You are gathering and collecting only to give it to the one who pleases God. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. You see, my brothers and sisters, God is rich in houses and land. God holds the power of the world in his hand. Don't fret about what somebody else has. Let them billionaires keep gathering. The ones that don't know the Lord. All they're doing is gathering for those who please God. Y'all ain't getting this, see? They, somebody got you mad at rich folks. I'm just going to tell you right now, you, your jaw's all tight. Every time you see somebody with some money, you get all off kilter and upset. They, they know they don't deserve I work hard. How come I can't have all this stuff? Listen, let me tell you something. Just keep pleasing God. Just keep pleasing God. The word of God is true. That all them rich folks are gathering stuff so they can give it to the ones who are pleasing God. One thing I'm thankful to God is I never count somebody else's money. I don't even count my wife's money. She might have some under the mattress somewhere. I don't, <laughs> I don't count other folks' money. I'm, you ain't, you'll never hear me worry about what somebody else has, how much money they made. Oh, my goodness, when Michael Jordan was playing basketball, he made $30 million in one year. So what? 
I have never worried about somebody else's money because I understand this, that it all belonged to God. You ain't getting me, so you be celebrating right here. All of it's his. All the silver and all the gold, the cattle on a thousand hill belong to the Lord and I am his child and as long as my daddy is rich, I won't want for anything. Look at somebody tell me, I got a rich daddy. I don't know. It may not look like it, but I got a rich daddy. I, look at me. I don't look like I'm missing no meals, do I? <laughs> I got a rich daddy. And so, my brothers and sisters, I came to tell you that if you do not have Christ, the result of your labor will go to the ones that please God. And the way to find joy in life is don't worry about what someone else has. Don't count somebody else's dollars and cents. Don't look at somebody else's blessings. Don't sit there and be angry because somebody else has more than what you think you have on this earth. But get into your Bible. Learn to read your word. Look at the promise of God. God has promised that he will take care of every one of your needs. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. And guess what? Every billionaire has a check signed by God. He's the one that distributes wealth. You don't ever have to worry about it. So if you want to have joy, in this life, if you want to have joy in spite of your circumstances, take joy in the fact that your work is a gift from God. Take joy that the real joy in life is in Christ. And please understand at the end of the day, your real enjoyment is learning how to please God. Every day of your life ought to be spent pleasing God. As you go to work tomorrow morning, as you get there, make up your mind when you get up in the morning, you're going to have the right attitude. You're not going in with the usual attitude. You know, it's Monday, y'all. Don't say nothing to me. I ain't had my coffee yet. Come on here. Y'all know somebody. I haven't had any coffee yet. Don't say it. Don't, don't call my name. I'm putting my phone on do not disturb. I see you around lunchtime. Don't go to work with that attitude tomorrow. Get up in the morning and begin to praise God that you have a job to go to. There may be some people in this room that wish right now that they had a job to go to and they hear us complain and they look and say, what is wrong with you? Get up in the morning with the right attitude and say, I'm going to go be a blessing to others on my job today. I'm going to go be a blessing to everybody that comes across my path because the true joy in life is learning how to please God. And it pleases God when you give away love and you, most of all, when you give away Christ. And so you do that tomorrow. Make that commitment. Come on, let's stand on our feet all over the room. Give the Lord some praise. Stand on your feet. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can find your true, your true joy. You can find your true joy in Christ. And I want to take just a moment, if you're here today, 
and you have not received 